I interviewed a lady called Samantha Lomo, and she's throughout her 25-year career, she's worked in the industries around toys and entertainment, fashion, and retail. And she's led multi-billion dollar brand portfolios for some really, really huge companies, things like Hasbro and Foot Locker. And when she was at Foot Locker, she was the executive vice president and chief customer officer. And then prior to that, she spent 20 years at Hasbro and actually helped them and actually led and pulled things together when they went into the entertainment for the first Transformers live action film. So Samantha and I, and she's on a board as well for an organization called Claire's, but she and I had some really great conversation about things. In relation to about leadership is about leading through change. And of course, she talked about values are the DNA of an organization. One thing that she did talk about was about getting comfortable with leading people and technology. Pretty cool, right? Because we talk about technology and how we are in a fast-paced, changing world all the time. But one thing she did share, and I loved it, was around cultivating a transformative business culture that drives performance. And so what I say to you listeners is take notes. Whether you're out walking, you're doing the gym, it might be a little bit difficult, but you maybe want to go back later on and listen to this episode. But the conversation with Samantha was so rich. So make sure you do take some notes and do something with it. Here we go. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode with the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to have you here with us. I have a great guest with me today. Her name is Samantha Lomo. Samantha, a massive welcome to you. Hi, Dennis. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Now, whereabouts in the world are you today? I am in Rhode Island. Rhode Island in the United States of America. In the U.S. Yeah, yes, U.S. of A. Yeah, very good. Is the Boston Marathon happening today? Was that yesterday? Today. Today. It's today. Yeah, very and nice. It's, uh, it's also the 10th anniversary of, of the, the bombings. Uh, the bombings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we're thinking about everyone today of yeah. Boston. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, I've given a brief introduction to the listeners about you. However, we'd love you to share more. So tell us more about your background. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Canada. So I'm Canadian. I, when I graduated from university there, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I, I knew that I wanted to work in some kind of global capacity. I got my first job at Hasbro in their Toronto office, so the toy company. And then I worked for two other international toy and entertainment companies before being recruited back to Hasbro, only to U.S. headquarters. And at that time, the company was in a different place, and I had this opportunity to play a pivotal role in their transformation from a toy business to really a play and entertainment company. After that, I spent some time in the sneaker industry working with Foot Locker and leading their business through a key transition period. I'm also currently a board member of Claire's, working with the team there as they evolve to more of an omni-channel model. Um, and then at home, I'm a proud mom of two teenage daughters and happily married and, and have one lovable rescue dog. Oh, very cool. Now, for our listeners, Claire's, what, what is Claire's? What does that mean? What do they do? So Claire's is an accessory retailer, jewelry. They pierce ears, so they're well-known 
for the destination for and almost a rite of passage for getting your ears pierced and purchasing lots of great accessories to go along with that. Oh, excellent. Now, you're from Canada originally. So when did you move to the U.S.? I moved in 2001. So over 25, 23 plus years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. What was that transition like for you? It was a transition. I mean, it was interesting because I was really moving at a time that was a big change for me, both personally and professionally. I had been just started to date my current husband. So it was a move away from him. But also, I had this opportunity to go back to Hasbro and be part of their turnaround right in U.S. headquarters. And so I made a pretty big transition in my career then. Mm, Very good. Now, we're going to be talking about leadership. I'm going to be talking through the lens of a leader right now. And so one thing I really were quite, because I saw your your bio and about Foot Locker and, and Hasbro and so forth. Now, how did you get into leadership yourself? So leadership for me is something I think I gravitated to early on back just in those early school days. But as I mentioned earlier, so a few years into my career, I got, I'll say, a big break in leadership. And it was really a major pivot point for me. So I had started my career at Hasbro in Canada. And then several years later, I was recruited back to the company. And this was back in 2001. It was a few chapters ago in the company's history. But you know, at that time, the business had kind of found itself in a tough spot. And so it was sort of on the verge of, you know, maybe going in the wrong direction. There were no $100 million brands, let alone billion-dollar brands that they have today. The company, you know, had had to shut down divisions and they were going through layoffs and restructuring and really needed to transform, you know, the business model. And, you know, we had to transform the way we went to market, adding new skill sets, really looking at the business beyond the toy space. And, you know, that also required changing mindsets within the company and and even externally about what was possible. So my leadership was really tested early on in my career. And at that time, I took on the leadership role of the Transformers business and had to build a team around that. It wasn't easy because the, the toys were about to be delisted at Walmart, which is our biggest customer. And, you know, we were literally looking to transform our products and our brand so that they could be monetized outside of the toy category as well. So the mission was really to flip the business model. And instead of leading with toys, lead with entertainment. And we had to really bootstrap the company and the organization. It was all very siloed back then. We had to reinvent the brand. We had to rebuild partnerships, bring innovation back into our product line, add storytelling. We started with animation. And then we took our pitch to Hollywood we successfully attracted some legendary filmmakers. If you saw that first film, we it was Steven Spielberg. And then he brought in Michael Bay to help us really bring Transformers to life on the big screen. And it ended up being a really special time in the company's history. And then, so for me, really by helping to prove the company's growth blueprint, I learned some critical leadership skills, not only how to transform a business, but really how to cultivate a transformative business culture and one that really drives performance. So once we were successful with one brand, you know, then I was able to expand my responsibilities with more brands and really help reinvent the formula and really enable others in the organization to to do it as well. So that's that was Hasbro, right? And then you went on to Foot Locker with that is that right? And what was your title when you left Foot Locker? So at Foot Locker I was the chief customer officer. Right. And I worked with them during a really key period of of transition 
in the company. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to go there in the first place, I really just saw this great opportunity to work with them as they transformed their business model. You know, they had become a little too reliant on too few brands. But coming out of COVID, you know, it was clear that sneakers were trending and we had seeing the casualization of society. Everybody really wanted to be comfortable and people were really seeking choice. And so a big part of my role with Foot Locker during that time was really helping the team reinvent how they went to market to drive demand around you know, their diverse product offering and really help reaccelerate the business around that. Mm. So definitely helping brands grow or transform, excuse the pun with the Transformers movie, but yet you're helping brands transform, which is good. You said something earlier on, which I thought was really quite interesting here, which was we had to transform the way we went to market, but we had to change mindsets. Now, the mindsets were whose mindsets? Was it the employee's mindset or was it the market's mindset or was it both? I think it was a little bit of everything. Mm. I mean, there was the changing mindsets internally in the company because, you know, we had had this traditional manufacturing business model. We were a manufacturer of toys and games. Nobody was thinking about being a creator of content and creating stories. So we had to really engage everyone in the company around that idea. But then it was also convincing our other stakeholders. So whether it was our retailers, our partners, our licensees, our investors, and to some extent, I'd say even our own board, you know, that we had this vision to take our business and our brands to much greater heights. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I can imagine it wasn't just the employees, it would have been first of all the board and then of course stakeholders and of course customers and so forth. There were just so many different people to take on the journey of that transformation, which was really important. Absolutely. It is really about the journey. I remember being in rooms where, you know, it was hard for people to imagine and we kept having to show them more and more visuals so that they could sort of see where we were trying to take it. I remember years ago with Hewlett Packard, we had the same thing whereby we actually, the sheer price, I think at the time, it might have been $87 at one stage, went down to 69 and I think it went down, 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 went down to nearly $14, I think at one stage. And we thought, oh, someone's going to buy us out or we're gone. And and so then they they got rid of the, the 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 CEO and they bought another CEO. He only actually lasted about nine months. It was like, what? You're really good. And so he was gone. And then they bought in Meg Whitman from eBay, and she turned that ship around. If I can put a call of the ship. Yep. And it was a journey again too. Same transition, Absolutely. changing mindsets and everything like that. Yep. And fantastic to be part of that journey as well, like yourself and, and what you've done too. She She's a Hasbro alum, actually. So mm. it was kind of cool. Mm. But, you know, one of the interesting things, you know, to note about the Hasbro journey is that it ended up becoming a model for the for the industry. So you see there's a lot of brands that came out of the toys and games space that are making it into entertainment. And you know, the Barbie movie's just around the corner. So I'm sure lots of people are looking forward to that. Yep. Among Dungeons and Dragons just came out. So you're seeing a lot more of that trend in the marketplace. Yeah, and I think this is something for our listeners to, to understand here, what Samantha's just sharing. It's not just the organization that does something in the marketplace, but also you as an individual that's part of that, that's been involved in that. That's your brand too. So then your brand then goes off to another organization with that experience, with those war stories, those all those things too. So I think it's, you know, it's not just the actual company itself. It's us as individuals who have been involved with it go off to go and do other things too, which we'll which is really, really great because that's the value you're bringing to another organization. 
Samantha, the question here is that someone could they could be alive or they could be from history. So who's your favorite leader and why? That's such a good question. I I love this question. And I think, you know, I've I just feel so fortunate because I've had the opportunity to work with some very inspirational leaders. And I try to think about some of their best qualities and embody those along the way. There's one person who made I think the greatest impact on me. And and she was really my first boss and mentor and took an interest in me both personally and professionally. It just really helped shape the leader I am today. And so, you know, the reason I, I mention her is because I do think, you know, we do need role models to help become better mentors. She took the time to check on me to see how I was doing with my work, but also helped me with achieve some of my goals and, you know, sort of endeavored to follow in her footsteps ever since. Lots of women and lots of people, you know, coming into the workforce, or most people for that matter, don't get to experience this kind of support. Mm. And I just think we need to recognize mentors more, especially female leaders who really support the elevation of other women. Yeah. And I think you're right in what you're saying there because the, you know, the, the people that you get to experience, there's some wonderful leaders you get to enjoy, experience and go on the journey with you, which is really great. And when you do find that, I think it's really precious, it's a special time. Then on the other side, there might be some leaders who, the relationship's a little bit interesting, but they really, really challenge you. And at times when you're in the midst of it, you think, oh, jerk, or you know, whatever. But the thing is, you they shape you as well. And they could be sometimes the best leader because they've given you that challenge and made you grow. But I, I totally agree with what you're saying. That kind of leader that checks in with you, helps you, has your interest, has your back, will fly your flag in meetings if there's an opportunity that comes up they'll they'll cheer you on and which is really good i i think that's very very special now that person is still alive today she is yeah. her name's joan ramsey we still keep in touch and she's become a lifelong friend of mine excellent now if you and joan were sitting on a bench having a in a park somewhere having a coffee together would there be one question that samantha would like to ask her Ooh, that's good yeah i think i would i would just ask her probably a little bit more about how she got started in business and a little bit more of her her background and and how she rose to her success yeah yeah because i think i think that's a great question because they also been through it so it's about what we can learn from them yeah yeah and if they can share that kind of stuff as well yeah i always like asking that question and i don't prepare people for that question because <laughs> it's sort of it's in the moment i want to understand what they're actually thinking and that which is good now, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. Now, when I mention that title, that statement, what does it mean for you? I guess for me, leadership is all about leading through change. And those are the types of opportunities that excite me the most. You know, there's so much ambiguity and volatility in the market right now. And we all know the pace of changing isn't slowing down. So I think what that means for the changing role of leadership is that now more than ever, we need to help our teams create, communicate, and, and really collaborate around how to make positive change for the future. In my experience in creating you know, a culture where teams are really encouraged to talk about what's needed and what it takes to make change, it enables transformation to become a lot less overwhelming. And so that's really the, the type of supportive environment that enables teams you know, to ideate and solve problems. And I, I think that's what we need right now. And I like what you say. So you said create, communicate, and collaborate. Yeah. I think yeah. They, I think they are the three C's. They're really quite cool. So when you say create, what, what are you thinking there? What do you, what do you mean by that? 
I mean, coming together around ideas mm. and ideating and, and talking about what's needed for the future, what, what opportunities exist to go after. Here's a big clue, listeners. If you're a leader, you're in a senior leader role or any frontline leader, doesn't matter what leadership role you're in today, you don't have to have the answer. You don't have to be everything to everybody. You can actually get people to create because they come up with some fantastic stuff as well. And so if you're smart, you'll get others to be creative as well. And then if you can yeah. communicate, what do we mean by that one more? Can you sort of give us an example there, Samantha? Well, I think communication is, you know, the culture drives communication. Communication drives culture. Mm. You know, being able to talk about the business openly and being able to really dig in on sort of what's needed and, you know, what has to change, be able to talk through the challenges, the roadblocks, and what's needed to remove some of those. That's what advances us. That's what enables us to move things forward. And, you know, I think we take for granted those cultures where that communication is is enabled. And it, it is a little bit about, you know, feeling supported and, and having a, a trusted environment where people are comfortable sharing what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how organizations who are successful more than others is because the communication is great. It's, it's, it's really good. Now, the collaboration side of things, that's that's really interesting here because I think that many organizations today, they are working in silos, in other words, in their own little team or their own business unit and not across business units. What can you, your thoughts from your experiences of working in those kind of industries or com companies where you may have seen this, what can people do to get around that? As leaders, I think we have an opportunity to bring diverse team members to the table together. And, you know, that's something I experienced a lot in my career and the ability to, to mix the teams and have a dialogue where diversity of thought, you know, is shared across the room, whether it's, you know, backgrounds, functions, and I think functions more than anything, you know, bringing people from diverse functions together that don't normally work together to collaborate around ideas is a big opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great we're doing it as well. And also, if you're collaborating like that on different projects, once again, that helps your own brand grow because people get to know you, you build relationships, networks, and things like that. It's a great thing for the future. I also think that sometimes leaders just need to get off their, out of the chair, off their butt, and go and, go and meet people, go to other teams, go to other business units, and cross pollinate in the sense of I might come to your team meeting and share with you what your team with what our organization does versus you coming to mine. That's a great way of doing it as well. But I think what you said is around collaborating and bringing people together and, and having diversity and so forth. It's, it's a great way of doing it. So it's really good. You and I are living in a world, and I'm laughing here because it just seems to be getting faster every single day. And there's new and new technology coming out all the time. And we've got data that's getting faster, social, even from a social perspective, it's getting faster. What do you think makes a leader today in today's disruptive world that's getting faster and faster successful? It's a great question. And, you know, just talking to other leaders across other industries, corporate culture is in such flux right now. And I think leaders who are capable of nurturing people and ideas are the ones that will have the greatest impact. You know, social skills, emotional intelligence, I think those are really the driving force right now. And being able to set a clear direction, but then enabling a culture that's built on trust where innovation can really thrive is critical. Yep. Very good. Very good. 
Excellent. You and I have been talking through the lens of leadership. We have to change lens now, change gear, and think about from an employee's perspective. You and I have both been employees. And so if we think about it from that perspective, what are employees' expectations of leaders today? What, what are they? I think people today want to feel connected to their work more than ever. And employees are, are really seeking to work for companies that align with their values. And they want to derive more meaning from their work. That means an environment of acceptance and inclusivity. And I think what's changed is really that there's this expectation that leaders demonstrate focus on creating value for all stakeholders, whether it's the company, consumers, employees, or their communities. More and more, you know, millennials, Gen Z, but even, you know, all, all generations are really demanding this from their leaders. And I believe that those who can provide it will realize the best results. And you know how you just mentioned generations there. I think that if an organization has those strong purpose, the values, understands where it's going, driving more meaning and so forth, it won't matter about the generations. They'll just get on with it because they feel like they're part of it. And I think an organization that has a void or a gap in those different areas is where they start to get into trouble. Have you seen that happen in some organizations and what can people think about or do? Yeah, I think one way leaders can address this today is really by revisiting corporate values and looking at, you know, whether or not they're still relevant, whether they're supported, and really engaging in a dialogue to determine what needs to change and even how to how to bring values back into focus in new ways. You know, Samantha, I'm really shocked at times when I'm in doing workshops with exec teams and things like that. And I ask them either, hey, what are I ask them one of three questions. What are the values of the organization? Can anyone tell me? Or what's the strategy? Just in a few words, what's the strategy of the organization? Or, hey, how many leadership behaviors do you have? 21. Wow. Can you tell me one of them? No. (laughs) They don't know. So I'm really shocked the fact that a lot of these leaders can't articulate, can't tell me what this is. What are you seeing out there in the market? Are people like that still? I I think it's hit and miss. I mean, I think they're so foundational to company culture and to building alignment that you know it it's it it's imperative to me on leaders to really help facilitate the dialogue around values and I think that really is is needed now more than ever. And I think it's right isn't it? I mean just what you just said there about building alignment it's that alignment piece. I like how you said that because if we can align everybody and everyone understands everyone's on the same page then we can work towards those kind of things which is really important. Then on the other side, if it's lacking alignment, then what can we do? I, I think for a lot of people, it's not hard. It's just about understanding that it's not happening, tweaking it a bit, you know, sh- probably strengthening it a bit more and getting out there. And I find that organizations whereby they can't articulate it, if I go to any of the employees, any of the other lower level leaders, no one can tell me. Why? Because the leaders aren't talking about it. They're not bringing it to life for organizations. And it's sad to see it happen. So that's where they start to get themselves into trouble. But then when they actually do understand that and they do fix it, wow, that's when you start to see that high performance happening. That's when you start to see that organization humming and going really well and possibly the share price may be going up as well. I agree. I think values are the DNA of the organization. Values are the DNA of the organization. Nice. How many values 
How many values should, should an organization actually have? Is there a, a magical number? I was just having this conversation. I think between four and six, I think six is probably too many. I think four is a good number. Five is acceptable if you just can't get it down to, to four. Yep. Yep. In other words, keep it simpler. Keep it simple. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, I think a lot of people yeah. overcomplicate it. And if it is simple, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So that's good. You're having conversations, other conversations with people about this too, because I think it's an actually an appropriate topic for us to be talking about and bringing to life. Now, let's talk about the future. If I get you to get your crystal ball out now and we think about the future here, where do you see leadership being in five years? In five years? Well, whether we like it or not, we're all going to have to get comfortable with leading people and technology. You know, I think we're still trying to find our footing post-COVID. How do we want to work together in person or remote? But now we need to factor in the impact of AI on our business models and job responsibilities. And I think that's going to put even more emphasis on the role of ethics in leadership, both near term and, and down the line. Hmm. I like what you say there about having to getting comfortable leading people in technology, because it's not just one. You don't just lead people only. There's so many different areas or domains or subjects that you need to sort of look after. And with people in technology, is technology going to be a good thing for leadership? Is it going to be a good thing for, for, for companies going forward? Or is it going to be something that's sort of going to be a bit of a hindrance for, for organizations? I think there's two, the two sides that everybody knows. You know, there's the, the downside where we lose control of our technology, but then there's the upside where it's an enabler and helps us really unlock new business models and, and also maybe new medical solutions. And there's all kinds of possibilities, you know, we, that are being talked about. Obviously, everybody knows, but I think it comes back to us as leaders and how do we come together to really manage the upside, upshot of technology for the for the short and long term, and mitigate the downside. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it is an enabler. It is there to help us as well. It's a bit like the chat and GPT that people are talking about the AI side of things. And and wow, that's not going to for those who are out there right now who are thinking of using it to replace themselves to to, to do things. I, that's not the way I'm looking at it. And I'm not sure about you, Samantha. The way I'm looking at it is, and I don't know if you've used it, but I. It's the way I look at it is it's actually a kickstarter. It actually helps me with my ideas or thoughts or maybe looking at something a little bit differently uh, and things like that. But then I actually, as I call it, denicize it, if I can put it that way. I bring myself into the actual picture as well. Otherwise, so what? It just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No, I've been experimenting with it as well. It's lots of fun to play with. And I just think we have we all have to proceed with caution. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 But, you know, so beyond, I mean, beyond sort of the next five years, yeah, you know, I, I also have kind of a unique vision for leadership, and it's it's one that really integrates play into work because of the unique corporate experiences that I've had. You know, working at Hasbro, but then also working with companies like the Walt Disney Company. I sort of came to this realization that a lot of what I learned about leadership and leading change like, came from play. So if you think about it, you know, play really opens us up to possibility. And, and when I talk about play, I'm not talking about getting out a board game, you know, in the break room, I'm, I'm sort of talking about ways that we can really generate ideas together and dig in on important topics, but while having fun along the way. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I also think that the way that we actually do that kind of stuff, whether we've been creative or the way we go in actually play into a sort of a workshop scenario and we put them into different activities, the way we actually play that, the way we actually do that is the way we actually live life. It's the way that we actually lead as well. And I think that the word play is, is a great way to play on on this whole idea that you're talking about. And that the fact is, if we can play with something and other ideas pop up out of the result of something on that, I think it's a, it's a great idea. And who knows where the next inventions, the next bright idea comes from. It's kind of come out of us playing with it and just enjoying it and seeing where it, what, where it goes and not being so prescriptive, if we can put it that way. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So I've actually been developing some some workshops and some ways to integrate play at work and really helping companies do exactly that, ideate and come together around opportunities for the future, having some fun doing that right now. Fantastic. Samantha, it's been great talking to you. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn, which I know you'll put in the show notes after we wrap up. And I look forward to connecting with listeners. Great. Samantha, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Really, really appreciated the conversation. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to be here. Excellent. There you go, listeners. Leadership is about leading through change. It's also about the fact that the values are the DNA of an organization. So if you can get comfortable with leading people and in technology, then you're going to be in a great position for the future. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 